Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to Guys at the Mike Show, TalkZone.com. Wild, wild night of baseball last night. Of course, I completely missed it as I'm watching uh, the season finale of the Big C and catch it up on Breaking Bad. No clue that some of the best baseball on a final day in regular season, probably in the history of the game. Phenomenal day. We'll talk about some of the wild finishes in baseball, start to preview the football ahead. Get off the sports page as well. Big Dog and a coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. 888-463-6748. The phone number real quick. Let's listen to some of the soon-to-be award-winning music of the TalkZone.com. Outstanding. Thank you very much, David Olson, our producer on the other side of the glass. Definitely got to talk some baseball before we forget. Want to wish a uh, happy Rosh Hashanah, happy New Year to all our Jewish brethren out there. A lot of kids off of school today, some people off of work, but it is the Jewish New Year, so a uh, happy and holy to all our good friends out there. And uh, wow. Wow. What a day of baseball last night. And I think we can safely say. Maybe for a final regular season day, maybe the best ever. Maybe the most exciting finish to a regular season in baseball ever. It's a pretty strong statement because ever goes, uh, you know, last time I checked, that goes back a long, long way till when uh, Tony La Russa invented the game of baseball back in 1870, whatever it was. <laughs> but uh, let's see if we can recap it. And again, I completely missed it. So any fans out there were expecting the Big Dog to call. He might be, Big Dog might be in like hangover mode. Because you know how he gets into these baseball things. Who knows? But uh, hopefully the big dog will be checking in. But anybody that saw it, want to check in, uh, 888-463-6748. I watched the replays this morning, reading the uh, newspaper account. I'm getting chills. I got excited just reading about it, let alone how cool it must have been watching. Because it all happened, I think, the uh, the conclusion of the game is within an hour. Okay, Let's work backwards first. Let's work backwards first. Bottom line is... Uh, here is your slate and your schedule. You got, uh, and it's starting Friday, man. Awfully quick. And that, and that played into it, too, because the New York Yankees, knowing they had to start Friday, rested a lot of their regulars. And you can't blame the manager for doing that. If it was a Saturday game, probably would have played more. So Tampa Bay was not facing the New York Yankee A team. And a big part of that was uh, just by sheer coincidence, the Yankees are playing Friday. But uh, at the end of 162 games, and we'll recap the exciting finish, but here's the conclusion. Here's how it comes out. After a long, the long and winding road. 162 game Tigers and the Yankees. Tampa Bay Devil Rays red hot. Nobody wants to play Tampa Bay right now. Nobody. Texas Rangers lose in that particular line. I guarantee the Yankees. Not that the Detroit Tigers are a walkover. Tigers are a good, solid ball club. The White Sox fans um, were privy to that up close and personal. But I guarantee the Yankees would rather be playing Detroit right now than a red hot over-the-top, enthusiastic Tampa Bay Devil right team. The Rays will be taking on the Rangers. American League star- Series starts Friday. National League fans, you got to wait for your playoff baseball till Saturday. Cardinals. The Cardinals are 
in both Cardinals and Tampa Bay down. I think Tampa Bay was 10.5, Cardinals like 8.5 or 9 out a month ago. I mean, that's a lot of ground to wake uh, to make up in a month. And me and the big dog were as guilty as anybody. We were pretty much saying it's over. Put it in cruise control. Let's concentrate on football. We took our minds off of baseball for a while. Boy, watching the Atlanta Braves play, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But that was painful. Painful. Watching the Braves let that one uh, slip slide away. But it's the Cardinals and the Phillies and uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks take on the Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers will be a uh, host of that particular series. They'll have the home field advantage based on the better record. So uh, there you go. Favorites, obviously, the Phillies and the Yankees. But there's your final eight teams. And, um, wow, what a wild day. All right, let's, let's, let's start and see if we get it all right from last night. And uh, first of all, well, let's go nationally for St. The only easy game was the Cardinals knocking off Houston. Chris Carpenter did his thing, and St. Louis easily won that ball game eight to nothing. They just uh, kind of coasted the whole way. Albert Pools having a phenomenal last month of the season as his contract negotiations continue to skyrocket. Top ten jobs in America right now. Top five jobs, maybe the number one job right now you could have in America would be to be the agent for uh, Albert Pools. That's not going to be a. Well, it will be a difficult negotiation, but it is the. Extreme example of the cake or cake with ice cream. I mean, my goodness, did that guy come through. But anyhow, so the Cardinals get rid of the Houston Astros. The Atlanta Braves, just absolute tailspin. And you could see a good group of guys, too. This is a team you could root for. Good group. Chipper Jones, tail end of his career. Great rookie in Freddie Freeman. They had the veteran, the long-timer, Timmy Hudson, out there on the mound, battling his way through. He came through, pitched a good ball game. I forget who the shortstop is. There was a ground ball, I think, in the eighth inning that would have, uh, I don't know, clinched it, but would have made things a lot easier for the Atlanta Braves, kept their 3-1 to one lead. Taylor made double play ball. It was like Alex Gonzalez. It was almost the exact situation back in the, uh, the Bartman game when Gonzalez fumbled the ball. The Atlanta Braves shortstop, I don't know if it was Martin Prado or who it was, but um, and you could see Timmy Hudson getting visibly upset, much like Mark Pryor did. When all this was going down, and it affected the team a little bit. Braves played with a lot of emotion. They played with a lot of spirit, but they were tight as well. And you could see that. But at any rate, Braves take 3-2 lead. They were leading 3-1. Phillies come back 3-2. Now, the Phillies, by the way, unlike the Yankees, and there could be a little bit of controversy down the road on this, the Philadelphia Phillies, they had their A-team out there. And this puppy won 13 innings. You get a rest of Hunter Pence. You know, we got a Saturday playoff game because this game means nothing. Uh Uh-uh. Manager Charlie Manuel says, no, 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 we're playing the A-team. So, uh, you know, the Atlanta Braves got no break. Can't really complain about it, but uh, that might come back to haunt them down the road. But uh, the Philadelphia Phillies tie it up in the ninth inning. They get a sack fly to tie it up after a couple of walks. The Braves brought their rookie pitcher in, who've been phenomenal all season long. But he walks a couple batters, gives up a base hit, base is loaded, sack fly, and you could just see the Atlanta Brave dugout. Not that they lost the game, but the deflation just sucked it all. I mean, I really, from a human nature standpoint, it was it was unbelievable human drama. And remember, I'm watching just from the replays. Just from the replays. And by the way, ESPN did a nice job of building it up, not just giving us one or two highlights, but they did a nice job of taking it from start to finish and making us feel the drama. I can only imagine. The people that were actually sitting down and watching this game. 
the fans who were, you know, for, via MLB Network, which I do not have, able to get the uh, the ends of these different games, these dramatic finishes as they're happening. And I can only even imagine double that up, triple that up, quadruple that up. What the Atlanta Brave fans who've been following their team all season long, there still are Atlanta Brave fans, aren't there? I know the Brave fans get criticized a lot, but uh, there's a pretty good crowd out there, home game for the Bravos. So the rookie pitcher gives it up 3-3. Three to three. They go into the 10th, and I think Chipper Jones in the 10th inning had a shot to center field. Looked like it was going to win the game. The Philadelphia Phillies center fielder makes a great catch. Snake bit the, the Atlanta Braves just could not buy a break. Last night, or for the good part of the last month of the season, it was unbelievable. And this is a team, really, that played uh, just outstanding baseball, consistent, solid baseball for the first four months, and then just... Uh, could not get a break, could not find a way to win. Big Dog on our uh, show has detailed how they had a couple injuries to their pitchers. That certainly didn't help. But uh, 13th inning, 13th inning, Hunter Pence still with the ballgame. Gets the base hit for the Philadelphia Phillies, puts him up ahead 4-3. At this point, the Cardinals are, of course, in their dugout. Watching. Watching. Hoping. Rooting. They got the champagne on ice and... Should there be champagne celebrations for winning a wild card? That's another question I'd want to bring up. Sometimes I think that can get a little bit uh, over the top. Celebrate, be happy, but the whole spitting out the champagne, cover up the locker room, celebrate like you won a world. It's only the wild card. And again, I'm all about emotion. I'm all about celebrate. It's been a long season. You do deserve to celebrate that, but a little bit over the top. But at any rate, uh, the Atlanta Braves still got a chance. They're a home team. Back they come in the bottom of the 13th, and I think it was Freddie Freeman who had a phenomenal rookie season up to bat. Runner on first, Freeman hits a ground ball. Phillies pull off a double play. The Braves go down. Unbelievable. They immediately go over to the St. Louis Cardinals and show the Cardinal uh, locker room, and they start celebrating again, I think a little bit over the top with the whole champagne and everything, but what a phenomenal comeback by Abner Doubleday. And the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and the Braves, boy, again, from a human emotion standpoint, you have to feel bad. The, the pain on those guys' faces, and I know they're over, you know, play baseball players, they're all happy and healthy and everything's good. There's a lot more people in this world to feel sorry for. But that for that <laughs> brief moment in time, you absolutely, if you had any inch or ounce of human emotion, you had to feel bad for the Atlanta Braves. What a rough last month. All right, let's welcome in. That's just a national. Big dog, we haven't even got on to the American League, and I opened the show by saying, I think the greatest final day, the most exciting final day in the history of uh, baseball, but you might prove otherwise. How are you, Big Dog? No, Coach. You know what? I, I like to throw out the superlatives every once in a while, but I'm doing phenomenal, by the way. I stayed on the couch all day yesterday watching baseball. Wow. Tim Kirchin this morning called it the greatest night ever in the history of the game of baseball. Wow. If you really? Consider- if you consider what was going on, you know, he has a, there's a lot to be said for that because obviously Ooh. those games were great games. But those play games played under those circumstances and four of them, it, it's, it's, I can understand that. And uh, so uh, Tim Kirchin says that and I'll say, all right, Tim Kirchin, I'll believe you on that right. one. Let those words sink in once again. Let's think about what he said. He might have been caught up in the emotion, but. Even to be in the team picture, the greatest night in the history of baseball. That's strong stuff. Of regular season baseball. Of regular season baseball. Oh, he did say uh, regular season. He said regular season oh, baseball. Oh, okay. 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 So, and if you consider what was going on, I mean, Coach, a seven 
to nothing lead. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays, they, they figured it mathematically. And in the eighth inning, when you're at home, two at-bats left, the other team one at-bat, you have a one in 172 shot at winning. Wow. And I'm not kidding you. When Casey Gossman got hit with the bases loaded, okay, so I, I, I'm watching all these games, and I actually got the computer up, and I'm following all the games, and I'm like, wouldn't that be hilarious if they got right back into it in like a minute? And I'm not kidding you. Like two seconds later, I'm running upstairs. Cloudy! Cloudy Lagorio went deep! It's 7-6! <laughs> oh, he's like, shut up. Next thing I know, the whole house is like, uh, a, that ended up being... You know, Union Station last night. This is cool. I, I'm so glad you watched it because I, I said at the start of the show, Big Dog, I'm all excited about it just from watching replays this morning and reading about it. I can only imagine what it must have been like, and I'm glad you were able to uh, relate it to us up close and personal yeah. watching live. Just phenomenal. And, you know, and then while this is going on, the Atlanta Philly game is still going on, and I'm watching, uh, I'm watching, you know, the, 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 the Boston Baltimore game. Yep. And then, luckily, you know, uh, what ends up happening is, you know, the MLB Network puts on the the Yankees and Tampa Bay Ray game. So all three important games are going on at the same time, Coach. I was in heaven last night. I couldn't, honestly, it was awesome. I, and I, I honestly said to my guys, I'm like, you know, I'm glad that there's not a football game on because I would be paying way too much attention to that and would have missed out on all this baseball. <laughs> and remember, my, my promise was I, I was so happy that they're playing the last week of the, of the last couple of games of the season in the middle of the week instead yes. of Sunday. Yep. So it's baseball will always do this forever, don't you? Do agree? they? Don't um, they plan that strategically. It, well, they they did it differently this year for the simple fact that they said they wanted their the, their their postseason games to start on the weekend so they can end them on the weekend. The, the World Series supposedly is going to end on a, like a, a mm-hmm. Sunday or a Saturday night. They're like almost. Like they've planned it out. Mm-hmm. Well, if uh, they did it this year for the first time ever, I, I can't imagine them. They're like, you know, they had the, the last three days of baseball season was actually a focus from the media. Normally, do you think anybody would care? They'd be like, oh, yeah, Matt Cubs going for a triple crown. Can you believe there's four games for a wild card playing? Oh, by the way, the Saints are taking on the Falcons. You know what I'm saying, Coach? And then, everything, then that's all we were talking about is football. Yeah, much better in the middle of the week. I, I planned or not, I completely agree with you. I'm looking at our Facebook page, Big Bill. One of our uh, writers, JB, uh, his comment: "Best night of regular season baseball I've ever seen. Maybe one of the best nights of sports I've ever watched." Dot dot dot. Absolutely incredible. That kind of sums it up. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm not kidding. As I'm watching Greg Amzinger, Dan Plezak, and Harold Reynolds on MLB Network mm-hmm. relay their opinions of what's going on. Uh, Dan, please, I said this is the greatest night of baseball I've ever seen. And when he said that, I'm like, this might be the greatest night of sports I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding you. Harold Reynolds said it exactly as I'm saying that, Coach. There was a uh, time, and, I think, back in the day when I had a man crush on a Dan Pleasant. I mean, we, don't, we have people that don't it. even like baseball. They were screaming at the top yeah. of their lungs in my house last night. I'm like, these are people, these are Cub fans. They don't care about the Orioles or the Red Sox. I would have been watching. And I hold, again, uh, when things go wrong, I like to hold our producer, David Olson, responsible as outstanding scapegoat. We pay him well. Pay him well to be a scapegoat. But I'm watching uh, the show he got me hooked on, Breaking Bad. The on-demand of Breaking Bad, completely forgetting that there could be some exciting finishes of baseball. So uh, don't blame me, Big Don't blame uh, producer extraordinaire David Olson. But let's let's take it through the finishes now. I'm, we've covered the National League. Let's get to the American League. The games you were switching back and forth. Boston has, what would you call it, a perilous lead for most of the game? 
Yeah, for most, yeah, they, they apparently that's exactly what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was perilous the whole entire game. And then it I goes mean, into the ninth inning, three to two lead. And this is a Boston team, folks, that has blown a ton of game, very similar to the Atlanta team we just described. Feeling the pressure, you know, collapse last game of the season, trying to hang on, fighting, fighting, fighting. And Papelbon, their closer, similar to the Atlanta Brave rookie closer, had blown a bunch of games down the stretch after an otherwise very, very good season. Correct me if I'm wrong, dog. Three to two lead. He strikes out the first two batters. Yes. Blows them away and gets the third batter with two strikes. Now, don't forget wow. all uh, three. The Atlanta game, Atlanta was one out away from finishing off uh, Philadelphia shoe coach. Right. So now this is another game. Boston is one out away two. from finishing off the Orioles. Two strikeouts and two strikes and nobody on base. Uh-huh. No, and what happens? The kid gets a base hit? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, basically, uh, there's a base hit. Wow. And then... And right a, after that, if you're a Boston fan, Boston player, you got to be thinking, thinking very similar to the Cubs after Bartman dropped, you know, interfered with the ball. Two strikes, you know, you're that close after the horrible month you've had. There had to be some, a uh, little bit of negative aura in the stadium at that point. Hey, well, there was a double... Then a then a double and then a single and quite honestly, Coach Carl Crawford has okay. So basically, has a, there's a there's you know the double and then there's a single and this it, it scores uh, the guy from second. So now it's three three and Terry Fred they they shoot Terry Francona and it looks like somebody just took a horseshoe <laughs> and shoved it down his throat. Okay, I'm glad you said throat. It was it did not look good. <laughs> you know, and Applebot is just like I can't believe this. You know, and then uh, basically uh, throws the, throws a pitch, a loop and liner is hit out to Carl Crawford. Now he has two options, coach. He knows there's a runner at second. Yep. He either has to catch the ball, okay, or he has to play it perfectly where he one hops it and yep. throws it home. Tough well, call. instead, instead he decides to dive. And still doesn't catch it, and at one hops to me, catches the ball, and he has to get up on his feet and throw home. And Kyle Crawford, as we all know, can only beat Juan Pierre in a throwing contest. That's the only guy <laughs> in the league. Gets it home, and uh, and uh, basically uh, the, the guy is safe, and the place goes up for grabs. And I mean, the Red Sox, I mean, immediately, wow. immediately, we're like, we had one of the greatest teams ever supposedly at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and they can't even make it into an 18 postseason mm-hmm. and at that the point by the way just to make sure now at that point they did not know they were out of it tampa bay game was still going on the tampa bay game was still going on but believe it or okay. not the guys on the bench look up and they're like oh my goodness they, they, it's tied yeah because this, this this is you know what i mean they don't so they go from leading baltimore and watching the yankees beating tampa bay seven nothing and within a five ten minute period of time maybe less they yeah. see Tampa Bay put up the six spot and all of a sudden make it a game and they watch their closer with two outs and two strikeouts give up two runs. The Orioles were the home team, so uh, game over, right? No answer for the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, no answer for the Red Sox. Wow. And this is the, the crazy thing. So three minutes after the Red Sox blow their lead, yep. Evan Longorio of the Tampa Bay Rays hits the walk-off. So they walk downstairs. And they look up into the clubhouse, wow. and they see the uh, the Longoria walk-off homer and know that their season just ended. Oof. That so, goes into the category of a bad night. So, yeah, as we're talking about this this Tampa Bay uh, and, uh, and and Boston thing, everyone I find funny is that a lot of people haven't brought up is 
you have Yankee fans or Red Sox fans rooting for the Yankees. Ooh, I mean, how often does forgot that Forgot about that aspect, yes. Okay, so you have these Boston fans rooting for the Yankees, so now all their eyes turn to this game. Uh-huh. So we, we, can, we all know that uh, they blew a 7 nothing lead. Then it goes, you know, it goes a 7-6, like I'm talking, I'm screaming, oh, you know, put it on. But what about, okay, so now, like I, I mentioned that, you know, Phillip, Phillip, Atlanta was one out away. Boston was one out away. Well, in the ninth inning. Yeah, we have this, this is the, of all the momentous things that happened, this was the one most incredible. I, yeah, I don't know what's more incredible. The fact that they scored six runs in the bottom of the eighth, or they, the way they scored their, their seventh run in the ninth, coach, honestly. But describe, they, describe the ninth inning, because this is, this is, I mean, you couldn't write a movie script any more dramatic than this. Joe Madden, who I would uh, write a, a, a passionate letter to to please, please become the Chicago Cubs manager next season, coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, he has hit every button right now. Hopefully, you did some investigation into the walking the guy and them getting a triple play the night before. Please tell me you did a little investigation into that. Love to, but haven't. Okay, well, he decides to pitch at a guy by the name of Dan Johnson. Yep. Dan Johnson has the lowest batting average, including Adam Dunn, of anybody with at least 75 plate appearances wow. this season. Is okay. he a... Um... Recent call-up, or he's been playing all season? I'm not familiar with the work of Dan. Johnson, I'm pretty sure he's the same guy that used to play for the for the Houston Astros and stuff. You know, he's like a fourth, fifth outfielder guy. Okay. Well, he's only got like 90 at-bats this year. He's got nine hits. He's hitting 108 when they throw him in. Okay? And Madden, he has one home run on the season. Says to him as he sets him out there, he's like, I'm not sending you out there for a broken bat opposite field bleeder. Mm-hmm. Is what he says to the guy. He crowds the plate. Now, before before you describe this, now at this point, there's two outs, right? There's two outs. They're down by a run, and Dan Johnson sent up to the plate to not hit a broken bat opposite field leader. Folks, if you don't know what that means, basically, he just told Dan Johnson, "Go hit a home run. Don't even worry about anything. Don't worry. Just go hit a home run. Tie the ball game. Two outs, well, nobody on, and uh, if they lose. No, they're not done. They would have to go to a, a playoff. No, they would. But at this point, they think they would be okay. done because that's uh, right. It's a three to one score in the Red Sox yeah. game at this point. Yeah. And and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, not only two outs, Danny Johnson got two strikes on. Has two strikes. Wow. And uh, a kid by the name of Corey Wade comes in to close out for the Red Sox or for the for the Yankees for the simple fact that Mo Rivera pitched the day before. They're getting ready for the playoffs. Yep. Him and Dave Robertson were off. And if anybody has a problem with that, oh, the Yankees screwed the Red Sox. I want to say this right now. The Yankees would rather have the Red Sox in the playoffs than the Tampa yep. Bay Rays. Every American League team would. So everybody shut up about yeah. that. Maybe if you know if they were going to play Saturday, Big Dog, maybe a, a ounce of an argument. But the fact that they're playing Friday, you can't bring Rivera in then. No, no. And especially and that they planned this all week. They've had their whole yep. – so Dave Robertson and Mo Rivera were not available. So the Yankees have that right without question. Uh, so they put Corey Wade out there. Coach, when, just to let you know, the Longoria home run and the Dan Johnson home runs both went right down the line for the, the, the walk-off and the, and the game tire. That wouldn't have been a home run in legitimate down the line in legitimately 28 of the 30 ballparks. But mm-hmm. Dan Johnson on two strikes hits a Corey Wade pitch. You can tell, There was no doubt what he was trying to do. He was reaching out, trying to hit it out of the park. He, Pulls it right down the line and hits a line drive that went about 320 feet. Wow. Ties the game seven to seven. When that happened, 
I don't think there was any way in America that knew what the final outcome of that game was going to be. There was no way. Well, the, describe, if you could, I mean, again, Tampa Bay saw that um, the Red Sox were leading, so basically they thought they were down to their final strike of the entire season, the reaction of the, the Rays when they get new I, life. Honestly, Coach, when he hit it, it wasn't an overreaction. It was like they smacked like the top rail, the dugout high-fived each other, pumped their fists, and Dan Johnson came around. Because you know what I mean? They're like, okay, we're still alive. Our season isn't over. Wow. It wasn't like, oh, the end of the world. Now, mm-hmm. what ends up happening is I'm watching MLB Network, and they showed a replay that's right after the Red Sox lost to the Orioles. Okay, I changed to the MLB Network, and they have the, the Rays-Yankees game on. They have it on. Well, they go out of the Rays-Yankee game, and they go to Greg Amzinger at MLB Network, and they're like, you've got to watch the reaction to the Tampa Bay Rays when they when the – so they're watching the the guy before Longoria bat, okay, Coach? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they look at they show these guys look up at the scoreboard and they see them tie the game. And they're all like looking and they kind of like they don't really react, but they kind of like pump their fist and they like shake their head. And now all of a sudden Longoria is coming up the bat, and they show on the scoreboard that the the, the Orioles just won. They show the dugout and they erupt. <laughs> Ten times more than they erupted when the, when Dan Johnson hit the home run about a half hour earlier. Uh-huh. Okay, they, I mean they legitimately erupt. The fans go crazy, and Longoria steps out of the box and is like, "What the heck is going on?" <laughs> right in the middle of the at bat, he's like, "What is going on?" Okay, he taps the bat and he says, I, "He's like in the box. He has two strikes on him now." He's like, "I got to remind myself, I'm like you know, just calm down, just make contact, don't strike out the situation." The next pitch, he hits over the wall for a home run. And then the place just absolutely loses it. Wow. I mean, like that was like, uh, I, and I, I'm so glad you said these guys are overpaid and all that stuff, and you know, you don't feel sorry for them. But you know, you, you can't look at a person and be like, yeah, man, they're yep. they're in serious pain. <laughs> the Red Sox were <laughs> so much pain after that moment. With the, when they can, they showed MLB Network showed them coming down into the dugout and looking up at the screen, and like one guy collapsed, coach. He walked wow. into the dugout, saw the Rays celebrating, and collapsed. So by the time the... <laughs> I don't know who it was. It was a white dude. And it wasn't Dustin Petroya or any of the pitchers. I have no idea who it was. I think it was J.J. Reddick, their uh, backup outfielder. So the Red Sox, um, <laughs> most of them saw it from the... Uh, you said there was about a three-minute differential. So yeah. some probably saw it from the clubhouse. Some probably saw it from the dugout. And others probably just closed their eyes and didn't want to look after yeah, blowing a, a two-run lead. Like, Papelbon stayed on the bench and watched the Orioles celebrate. Mm-hmm. So, while, you know, while they're all celebrating, like, few of the Red Sox go down. And, like, that's how you saw these guys coming down into the clubhouse and, like, and then, like, they notice that other Red Sox are upset and then they look up at the screen and they're like, oh, no. So, we're watching the Red Sox realize down. that the season was over. Seven to nothing, the Tampa Rays down after, <laughs> after six innings. After six innings down, seven nothing, absolutely unbelievable comeback, and uh, we talk about you know how life can change in a um, brief turn of events or the proverbial fifteen minutes of fame. A, a phenomenal night. The one guy, at least that I will remember, has got to be Dan Johnson, who you said second lowest batting average in the league. Nobody knows Dan Johnson from uh, you know Willie Smith walking down the street, and all of a sudden Dan Johnson is the hero of the night and his name, people will remember back to that moment and that game, 5, 10, 15, 25 years from now, it'll be all about Dan Johnson. You know, it, 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 that's the great thing about baseball is it, it, in sports, sports yep. is you can be totally 
you have live a total total life of anonymity and stuff like this happens yeah. because you know right now there's not a true diehard White Sox fan that was around in 2005 that won't tell you they love Jeff Bloom. <clears throat> yeah. Jeff Bloom hit about 150 for that White Sox team in 05, but he hit a pinch hit home run in Game Three of the World Series mm-hmm. that won the game. Everybody, you know what I mean? It's one of those things. Jeff Bloom will have. Dan Johnson and his 108 batting average in 2011 will be heralded as incredible and one of the best seasons. He had a better season than uh, uh, than Carl Crawford did. Think about it. Carl Crawford hit 260 this year with about 11 homers and 45 RBIs, but he made mm. $20, $20 million. Wow. And his team choked on the last day, and his defense was horrible in the last day of the season that mm. cost them. Yeah, who was the Atlanta Braves shortstop who made that error? That that was like Alex Gonzalez. Yes, coach. We don't we don't need to hear the name Alex Gonzalez in the city of Chicago an error that cost them going to the playoffs or mm-hmm. postseason or anything like but that. That that, that play was about... eerily similar, though. Yeah, isn't it? You're exactly right, coach. Immediately, I was like, "Whoa, uh oh!" I was like, "He he just was." Uh... Who, what was his name? His name is Alex Gonzalez. That was Gonzalez who made the error last night. Yes, that's what I'm saying. His name is Alex Gonzalez. But, Isn't it eerily similar? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The same guy or guy. different guy? Just to let you know, there's been wait. a guy. That it, there's been Alex, this guy, Alex Gonzalez, has played shortstop for the for the Braves for about three years, and before that, he was with Toronto for okay. about eight. But not our Alex Gonzalez. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Coach. No. Thank you. But isn't it wow. funny that a guy named Alex Gonzalez? Wow. Because uh, I'm relaying that before you came on, and I said that's exactly what it reminded me of the Alex Gonzalez play. And the guy's name is Alex Gonzalez. Yeah, okay, let me let me just. Okay, the guy swings at everything, and he's a real, real slick fielder. But he's like the worst hitter because he swings at everything. Does that sound should familiar? Be able, to, should it be sounds able to like play. the original Alex Gonzalez. He should be able to play for the Cubs. We probably trade for him in the off season. Yeah. We'll pick up Dan Johnson while we're at it. Unbelievable night of baseball. Absolutely phenomenal. Again, you watched it. You want to talk about it if you've, uh, hopefully you showered yourself down, you towel yourself off a little bit. 888-463-6748. Big dog. So glad you were able to witness that because as much as I like baseball, you love it more and that's going to be a night that, uh, you'll be able to remember for a long, long time. But, uh, um, we didn't even talk about some of the other stories of the game like Jose Reyes. Who's playing for the Mets? The shortstop, he gets a bunt single in his first at bat. He's leading the major leagues or national league in batting average. He decides to take himself out of the game because he figures his average is high enough where Ryan Braun of the Brewers won't be able to reach him. Honestly, that happened yesterday. Interesting. Okay. Oh, so I mean, I was just saying, there's a, there was it wasn't just the, the four games and the three unbelievable games that uh, that this day, day is about. There was like other stories around the league. Believe it or not. You know, Ozzie Gian is the only game he's going to manage all year with the Florida Marlins. Like stuff, it was just like one of those days. You just shake your head. And it was like, did anybody in baseball expect all of Wait. this to happen on the last day of the game? Wait, was uh, o- was Ozzie in uniform yesterday? That's the that's the point. Yeah, Ozzie was really what a what a day, coach. Uh, so it was who was the head manager? Was it McKeon or Ozzie? No, I think it was uh, Ozzie. Would, oh, he was named. Right? You're right. He wasn't in uniform, okay. but he was like at the stadium and okay, all that other yeah. stuff. So yeah, it, but it was the last day. Yeah, you know, just a really crazy last day of the season. Took took Ozzie a long time, long time to get over his uh, leaving the Chicago White Sox. But you know, I think after a long delay like that, it was time to uh, to move on. How long was the delay again? Uh, eight years. No, I mean like more like eight hours. 
he leaves the White Sox <laughs> and you know, all the wonderful words about Reinsdorf and Chicago. And you could have waited, you know, just out of respect, maybe wait till the regular season's over. Wait like yeah. four or five. I think it rubbed a little bit of salt into the wound of the Chicago White Sox fans. One day after all the niceties, you know, he he's announced and holding the press conference, got the contract signed, which obviously indicates to everybody, dog, that it's been going on for a while, which wouldn't have bothered me so much, again, if it would have been like a week later. I thought like within 24 hours after, that um, that didn't sit particularly well. Well, I, I kind of like the fact that they're uh, not hiding it. You know, obviously we all knew what was going on, and they could have done that two-week thing, and then we've been like, oh, Maybe they were no. They were they. They just goes on and says, okay, they had a deal worked out. Ozzy went in there, strong armed Reinsdorf. He didn't mm-hmm. budge, and now he's a Florida Marlins manager. There you go. And by All the right, way, uh, for a nice moment of silence here to wrap up a wild final day of baseball, let us mention San Diego beat the Cubs nine to two. And okay, don't forget this. And I want to throw this out there too. Don't forget that the two and the the number two seeds were still up for grabs in both leagues going down to the last day and. Okay, maybe that isn't the most important thing because it isn't life or death of going into the playoffs, but that's that's another story too. So Milwaukee and Arizona and Texas and Detroit go to the last day battling to see who's going to have home field advantage in uh, in the next week of the playoffs, and it ends up happening where all this crazy stuff happens, and now the Yankees have to face Detroit, and it didn't even matter. So it was going down to the last day anyways, Coach, and it ends up being it didn't even matter. Absolutely crazy. So we got uh, Tigers at the Yankees. You got the Rays at the Rangers. I'd love to see the odds on that particular series. Who's the favorite team there? I will bet the Rays on that, and I know they're going to be underdogs. I don't think so. uh, I think Texas will still be favorite, though. I think you're going to be right, Coach. And uh, if I was a betting man, I would put my money on the Rays on that one right now. I, I. all they got to do is score four runs. Their pitching is going to hold everybody to two or three. It's, it's, I know they scored, gave up seven yesterday. It was David Rice was, you know, David Price, ever since he's been hit in the chest with the line drive six starts ago, has been bad, Coach. Mm-hmm. And I know he's their best pitcher, but I don't know if they even want to throw him in the playoffs right now. I mean, besides him, the other four starters they have are dominating people, Coach. It's it's like, it's. I'm not talking about they're just getting by and they're a good pitching staff. I mean, it's. They send James Shields out there, and every other game he throws a complete game shutout. Yeah. So the the Rays, they are legitimately a favorite. They didn't just, they they didn't back into the playoffs. I know the Red Sox fell on their face, but they legitimately earned going to the playoffs where they played the last three weeks. Yeah, we will see Texas Rangers still experience from last year's uh, World Series run, but that that I think is most intriguing of the series is to watch the Cardinals taking on the Phillies in the National League with all the uh, momentum and, and, you know, play with nothing to lose St. Louis Cardinals approach against the dominant Phillies. That's a really interesting series. Probably the least interesting of the bunch is uh, Arizona Diamondbacks at the Brewers. Not, I mean, it should I, still be good baseball, but no great storylines there. Yeah, I, those on both the National League ones, the, the Brewers and the Phillies are really prohibitive favorites in, the, in, their, in their series. Maybe people wouldn't totally agree with the Arizona being such a big underdog, but yeah, if you get Zach Granke twice in in Milwaukee, you really don't have a chance to win up there. I mean, that's you're done. That's mm-hmm. two losses. And uh, the, the Cardinals would have had a shot at the Phillies if they didn't have to waste Chris Carpenter on the last day of the season just to get into the playoffs. Because if you know, you can only throw one game against the against the Phillies, and I can't imagine. 
anybody else in their rotation shutting the Phillies down. That's what. So Steve, Chris, Chris Carpenter was the only guy that had a chance. And talking about something for on this great, crazy last day of the baseball season, did you even mention that Chris Carpenter threw a complete game shutout with 11 Ks yesterday? Talking about getting swept under the carpet is oh yeah, he was totally dominant. Uh, but what about all these other great games? That, Chris Carpenter should get a tip of the hat from us, Coach. Yeah, he knocked off Houston 8 nothing. That was the only uh, – boy, can you imagine if that game would have gone down to the wire? I think there would have uh, – you know, the emergency rooms would have had to have their heart heart uh, cardio cardio resuscitators going full bloom on that one. But thank goodness one game at least was easy to watch. Cardinals 8, Houston nothing, and Chris Carpenter was the star of that game. Now, they don't play till Saturday. So Carpenter will have a – he could pitch game two or more likely game three. Um, well, okay, so they play Saturday. So Saturday, Sunday, then they have Monday off. So three days perhaps would be Sunday, Coach. And I didn't see the game now. They had, a, I'm assuming they had a big lead. I'm sure Abner Doubleday, uh, LaRusso, was thinking about that in advance. Did they take Carpenter out? Limit like his pitches? So he threw a complete game shutout, 11 strikeouts. Why would, if, if you're coasting at that point, how much of a lead did they have, like in the sixth inning? Uh, coach, it was seven nothing in the fourth inning. Ooh. What that do you think? That game was over with. I mean, that game had no drama whatsoever. Uh, St. Louis had five runs in the first inning, coach, off of Brett Myers. So could Tony Doubleday be uh, criticized a little bit for not getting? I mean, get your starter out of there. They got playoffs coming. I think I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I, I think. He just, if you have Chris Carpenter cruising, you have to win this game. I, yeah, I think you just keep him right. in there. I, you're I, I right. Because not, I, what, what happens if the guess. bullpen blows the game? And then what the hell are you doing taking Carpenter out of there? You're, you're right. I will retrace, retract my following statement. Strike it from the evidence, please. I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from because yeah. truly, I guess baseball more than any other sport, getting to the playoffs means the most. Yep. It, it truly does. Uh, but that's why that's why it's kind of you got to walk that fine line. What's more important, getting your team in the right way or just getting in? I think you just got to get in at that point. And then after you get in, you cash your chips in. So, mm-hmm. wow. And even if you pitch them, just say you take them out after the sixth inning, does that still mean that he's still going on three days rest? Uh, again, innings overrated, number of pitches. And you yeah, got to know the pitcher. You got to know the pitcher too. Dave Duncan, one of the best pitching coaches in the biz. I'm sure he was consulting Abner Doubleday as well. And, and stressful pitches. Because if somebody yes. told me, yeah, Carlos Marmol threw 18 pitches in yesterday's, he did. He better ice his arm down because I know what that means. That means the bases were loaded, <laughs> and every single pitch was life or death. You know, so. All right, wild day in baseball again. You want to talk about it? Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Big dog and a coach here at your service. And the two guys in a Mike show. You can always email your comments in Mike two guys at aol dot com. That's M I C, uh, short for microphone and the number two. Mike two guys aol dot com. Our email address. Big dog. We got a big weekend coming up. Let me uh, let us not forget with all the baseball. Enthusiasm here the final couple of days. You do need to start prepping. We got beat the schmoes tomorrow. We'll start previewing some games. Your Bears take on the Carolina Panthers. A lot of big college games. By the way, Alabama and Florida. Wow. Alabama at Florida. Wow is right because the Florida Gators with the uh, brand new coach, the kid from Texas, Muschamp. Well, Muschamp. And then he brought in, and he's a defensive guru, right? Yes, he is. Coach. And he brought in Charlie Weiss to run the offense. The Florida Gators. They're rolling. I mean, that that could be 
to date, anyways, the best regular season game. And Wisconsin and Nebraska. So two huge games Saturday and another slate of college football. Yeah, my, yeah, my eyes are definitely going to be glued to that uh, that Wisconsin-Nebraska game. I cannot, yep. I cannot wait to see Nebraska's first trip into, into Big Ten territory. So I'm pretty excited mm-hmm. about that. Now, the, the Florida-Alabama game, Coach, some tells me both of those games are going to be on beat the Schmoes yesterday because, or tomorrow. God bless you. Excuse me. I've been having to do that for uh, for a half hour. You know, I've been trying to do a show when the half the whole time I thought I was going to sneeze. It's very oh. difficult. Yeah, I would have been the start of the show. I was uh, touch and go, but uh, producer extraordinaire David Ellison, quick run into the. I don't know where he got him from, but got me some nice napkins. I did a little uh, nose blowage right before the show. Otherwise, I would have been joining you in sneeze heaven. No, that's that's more purgatory, coach. Definitely yeah. More purgatory. Yeah, I just want to see how uh, I have to admit Florida has been rolling, coach. But they beat up on a bunch of patsies, and it seems like, well, what did Charlie Weiss do? Have a quarterback, John Brantley, drop back and just hit Chris Rainey with a, with a screen against a bunch of slow dudes and have him run 80 yards for a touchdown. So, mm-hmm. I, I, so you are, you're not convinced on the Florida Gator just yet? Not yet. Not okay. yet. They've got, a, they've got a heck of a lot of talent, and I do like what uh, Charlie Weiss is doing with their offense, mm-hmm. Coach. It, it's pretty cool. But and the game is at Florida, right? It's in the swamp, Coach. It's not, that's it, that's it, that's about as I mean Florida's a lot better than we thought and Alabama's even better than we thought because their offense is actually pretty good we thought it was going to mm-hmm. be kind of pedestrian this year well it, it isn't so they, yeah, this is just another epic SEC uh, matchup and uh, you know we talk about the Big Red Nebraska going and the Big Red uh, of Wisconsin I hope that we we talked I hope they have a trophy for this and if not like Big Red chewing gum should come up with a trophy for it I might <laughs> that means, that might seem cheesy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if any if any team becomes a rival just for the heck of them, hey, we're doing the conference to be rivals. Don't you think it should be Nebraska and Wisconsin? Be great. Are they in the Legends or the Leaders Division? I don't even know which one Illinois is, and I can tell you who's in each one of the conferences, but, but I don't know which... the names of them yet. Uh-huh. So you got how about a a mini statuette of Johnny Red Kerr? Whoever wins the game could have that. That's not bad, Coach. That's not yeah. bad. Or Johnny Walker Red, maybe. Maybe. That'd be, Never. I don't know, colleges. You know, that might be a little politically incorrect. How about, uh, you know, maybe his son Desmond sitting on his lap and have a, a Red Fox as the trophy. Or Red Fox with a football in his lap. Or how about uh, Red Fox and Red Buttons? Oh, yes. Joke for, jokes for like hours on it. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's make it a three way. Big Dove, we're going to go Red Fox. You're going to go Red Buttons. you got to throw my guy Red Skeleton in there as well. Oh, I'm, 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 <laughs> honestly, how could I, how could I regret? <laughs> oh, goodness. We could throw that out. We'll come up with some creative ideas for that. But yeah, there should be. I mean, that hopefully will be a, uh, it's a natural rivalry. Not just because of the Red, not just because Nebraska joined in the Big Ten, but to me, those two schools, they kind of approach football the same way, Big Dog. It's kind of hard to describe, but they're, they're similar programs, even though they've been in different conferences for uh, forever. Yeah, it's uh, like Wisconsin runs uh, the pro-power style offense, and Nebraska runs the the, the power option type style offense. Is mm-hmm. what they, so they, that's basically been Wisconsin and Nebraska football. for they, both, they both feed their offensive linemen extremely well. Yes, that I can tell you. Two of the two schools that have you know turned out some of the finest offensive linemen, some of the best uh, interior linemen in NFL 
history. I mean, I don't have the records of who produces the most. But those... If you start talking about who's the best lineman of the last 20 years in the NFL, a lot of Nebraska will shield, uh, will come out, you know, and then if for, uh, same thing with Wisconsin. You know, you start doing that, and wow, you start naming a bunch of kids. The guy that plays left tackle for Joe Thomas for the Cleveland Browns right now is the best left tackle in the game, and yep. he went to Wisconsin. Yep. So they're, they're, they're littered all over the place. Was uh, Flozell the Hotel Adams? Was he a Wisconsin Badger? No, Coach, you do. Did you bring up Flozell Adams because I got three sacks off of him my <laughs> senior year in high school? You did? I haven't told you this. That's right. I think you did. Okay. He played at Proviso West. Okay. And I'm not kidding you. My senior year, we won 56-3. to <laughs> And I, uh, our head coach, Pete Ventrilli, did not allow me to play in the second half. In the first half, I whooped this real slow, gigantic, massive kid for three sacks. And later would find out, hey, Joel, do you know that kid went to Michigan State? Get the blank out of here. Yeah, where are you going? I'm going to McMurray. Oh, well, that kid's going to Michigan State. And he ends up making the NFL. The kid was the worst football player I've ever played against, but he was six foot five and massive. And at halftime of the games, he would play the tuba in his football equipment. That's right. So, That's they, right. so they were like, Joel, it doesn't matter that he couldn't block you. Could you play the tuba? I'm like, no. <laughs> so my buddies always crack up about this. So Flozo Adams, Michigan State. One of the better nicknames in all the sports stuff. Flozo, the Hotel Adams. Unfortunately, he had the lateral movement of his nickname. Well, but, he. Yeah, he had it in high school. He didn't use it in high school either, now that I admit it, because yeah. I do remember smacking him on the behind as I ran past him. So, both <laughs> of had was always one of those things, and when I hear it, i just like, wow, that kid goes to Michigan State, he couldn't block me. Mm-hmm. So, nice. Whatever. All right, uh, so we got that on the docket. Also, another good game. You know how I'm, uh, I can pick the game out of the spotlight that's going to be the game to watch, and actually this one's in the spotlight somewhat. Clemson and Virginia Tech. Well, you know what? You know, you're right about that, Coach, but it, it's an underrated game this week. I don't think people realize how big the ACC obviously gets the backstage, you know, mm-hmm. the, the back, like, you know, the redheaded stepchild treatment. That's a, that's a real good game. And I finally, remember I told you last, but like two weeks ago, I was watching a Clemson game and all of a sudden I just saw some kid explode and I'd never seen a kid run like that. Yep. Remember I said that? Yep. And I was like totally transfixed. Well, the kid's name is Sammy Watkins. And he's a freshman. Like I told you, he was a freshman coach. Well, so far right now, he's uh, when they do like the, the Heisman tabulations of just statistics and when they won against who and how they got. Right now, the kid would be in first place for the Heisman or in second because it's either him or Robert Griffith of Baylor that right now would be number one or two. If you're just going off of like computer analysis of it. And the kid's uh, a freshman. And they're, they're calling him. Somebody compared his athleticism to Deion Sanders. That's, I mean, when you get compared athletically to Deion Sanders, that's a bold statement. Hey, have you seen the kid play yet? No. Well, well, let's see what happens when they play against Virginia Tech, a team that could mm-hmm. that could really, really, really take somebody out of the offense. But against Florida State, against Auburn, he was the best player on the field. Yeah, period. I was going to say, Clemson, it's not like they've had a bunch of cupcakes on their schedule. And in fact, if they beat Virginia Tech, it's time, it's time for somebody to... Uh take notice a little bit and i mean already they're ranked like seventh or eighth so it's not like they're being forgotten but a victory over virginia tech they might put them in the top five your very own clemson tiger now they have the most underrated coach in in all of football uh clemson and dabo sweeney okay and if he's not the most underrated the one thing he definitely is is the most excitable and uh encouraging coach in all the college football what's his and name again guy, dabo sweeney gabo sweeney Dabo Sweeney, he played uh, 
he played on the the Alabama 1992 national championship team. He was a defensive back for that okay. team. And he's a real young kid coach, and he's he got this gig, and he totally has changed uh, Clemson around. And it, it's these players love him, coach. And uh, it, it cracks me up. The, you know how they run down the the rock. They touch the rocky Clemson yep, and they run yep. down. One of the great well, traditions. He, well, when he took over his first job as an interim coach, he touched the rock and he ran down, like holding his hands up, and the place went ballistic. And he's like, like, like rocking his hands back and forth as he leads the team up. Then when he turns around to congratulate the team, he realized that the team didn't follow him, and eighty-five thousand <laughs> people just saw him run down the, by himself and start pumping his fist. And as, people thought he did it for real, right? Look like Will Ferrell from old school, huh? Yeah, so people thought he did it like, hey, this is my first day, and this is going to be the new attitude at Clemson. <laughs> so instead of being like, ha, ha, look at the idiot, they were like, yeah. You know, <laughs> did the players do it? Did the, player, did the players do it as a practical joke? Or? So, uh, the players did, no, so the players, like, they, they, they show him at the top of the hill, and they're like, okay, look at this You know, he's down there pumping his fist in the middle of the 50-yard line. I can just see it. Down. This is his first year as a coach? This is his first game. Oh, that's classic. His first yeah, game, classic. he's an interim coach in the middle of the year. And oh. then after that, they they, they haven't, well, they well, the, what, lost two games last year. They won the last four the year before. You could just picture him getting the adrenaline all, kicking up, getting more emotional, more emotional, pounds the rock, fires it out, charges out on the stadium, fully expecting 67 other, uh, what color are they, blue and white? Uh, the Clemson is orange and, and blue. Coach. Orange, blue, and white jerseys to be following him, and, uh, and 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 nobody, not even the assistant coach. It's him by himself sprinting on the field. It's, it's one of the funnier <laughs> moments that you will see, Coach. I may have to YouTube that. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right, so we got that on the docket on Saturday. Let us not forget we got our Chicago Bear taking on the Carolina Panther Sunday. Big Dong, all kind of intrigue there. I mean, it's not you know the number one focus game in the NFL, but you do have an ex-Bear player ex-Bear coach who was let go by Lovey Smith now coming back to coach against him. Just Rivera against Lovey Smith should be good theater. I, I, I loved when uh, Lovey Smith was asked about this uh, this week. He turned really sharply and said to the person, what about the other staff and coaches that are on his staff that were under us? Like, it is, like he had his fuel to the fire. It isn't just Ron Rivera, people. They got seven other people over there that were trying to beat him. It was pretty funny. I like mm-hmm. how he said it. Yeah, Ron, Ron Rivera, by the way, go, taking the high road, and he says, you know, he and Lovey are still, I don't know if he used the word friends, but, you know, it was it was a business Colleague. decision. It didn't get personal, so Rivera's taking the high road. I also like the fact that Ron Rivera is, is saying, oh, it's not just another game. The heck with that. This is the, the Bears, the team I played for, you know, the team I used to coach against. This is a huge game, he said, for me. It's got increased importance. I like how he didn't go the politically incorrect. Uh, politically oh, I, correct I love route. when they say that. I, I love when a pitcher faces an old team and he's like, "Yeah, I wanted to win." Yep. When the big, I love when they admit it. it just don't lie, because I know I, what I would be thinking. So, uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of a sensitive subject, big dog, but uh, we'll throw it out there real quick. Again, the phone lines open here. Two guys in a mic show. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Dial it up. User friendly sports talk radio. Big dog and a coach at your service. You got nothing to be afraid about. The big dog won't bite. Um, book out. And one of your favorite athletes of all time, Walter Payton, is called Sweetness. The enigmatic life of Walter Payton, and I think you're well aware at this point, is that there's some um, not so. In- and, uh, not so. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm not going to even. I'm not not even so gonna. positive stories about Walter. I mean, it covers the whole gamut. It's not a trash book, but it does cover everything, and some of the everything is not so pretty. 
Well, uh, feel free to say you don't want to talk about that, that guy who, who I won't even uh, mention his name, but he's been known. He's been called pond scum well before this and an opportunist well before uh, this Walter Payton book ever came out. And it says that, you know, he cheated on his wife and all that. You know, we all know that. Why are you kicking dirt on a, well, on I, a dead man's grave? I didn't know that. I mean, I'm not surprised, okay. but I didn't know that. And the whole the whole deal with that he was taking prescription painkillers. You know what? I'm not saying it's okay, but you live. Just, I want everybody to think about this. I bet you 95% of all NFL players in the 70s and 80s yep. were taking way too many painkillers. So, like, before everybody points his finger and be like, Walter Payton's the man of the year and he had a painkiller addiction, you know, he used to carry the ball 25 times a game for a team that had no linemen whatsoever and just get absolutely beat up and beat down. So, you know what? He took too many painkillers. Brett Favre took too many painkillers. There have been a lot of NFL players that took too many painkillers. So, I really hope this is described in the book in the context of what it really was and not just being like, oh, yeah, we thought he was such a good guy. He didn't know that he was whacked out on painkillers all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy that was whacked out on painkillers all the time would sign everybody's autograph, would play with your kid, would take pictures with everyone, and was an all-around real good guy. So the fact that he might have had a painkiller addiction, I'm not going to hold against Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Coach. I think. You know, I haven't obviously haven't read the book yet, but from what I've heard, it's more of the former, which you'll be happy about, and less of the latter. I don't think it's like you know this guy who wrote the Sarah Palin book, which is just that's pure ridiculous. trashing oh of Sarah Palin. And some of it oh may be true, but that that's a totally different event. This one is more the full and complete story of Walter Payton, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Big By the way, when I asked Glenn Rice about it, he just shrugged his shoulders and said there were plenty of reporters, and then that's all he could say <laughs> on the subject. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> Okay, but the whole Walter Payton thing, I, honestly, I know the guy wasn't perfect and all that stuff, but when you think about what athletes owe us as fans, Walter Payton paid it in full. Okay, so I, I don't care if whatever dirt they pick up on him. That, when you talk about, like, the racial injustice he faced as a young man and the whole story, but yep. his father dies in jail because the people in Mississippi thought that he was driving drunk, not realizing he was having a seizure. So he needed to be taken to the hospital right away, but he was having a very difficult time communicating. And this person, the officer who pulled him over while I was driving, you know, there were calls to put people in the streets and start rioting because Walter Payton's uh, dad died in jail. Walter Payton went down to Mississippi immediately and quelled all the anger in his voice. And so, you know, he talked to the police department. When the police department explained the story, he went to the streets and was like, no, you do not riot. Walter Payton was a good guy, Coach. There's so many great stories about Walter Payton that people don't know, like stories like that. I can legitimately tell you ten different people who told me stories about how when they asked Walter Payton for an autograph, they're like, thinking about it now was really the worst time to ask him. And all of them were like, and he gave it to me. The mm-hmm. only stories I hear about other Chicago athletes, guys like Michael Jordan and other stories, they're, they're disgusting. You're like, wow, really? They treated you that poorly? You know, so I, I'm... You know, you know exactly. I, I could care less what you do in your personal life, in a, in a sense, in a sense. You don't be a murderer or anything like that. You don't have to be a saint, but let, mm-hmm. let's leave a guy alone for a while. I still like what his brother uh, Eddie Payton said after uh, in the economic bad times that they had growing up in Mississippi when they asked him, uh, you know, what what did they thought. I think that a bunch of the churches in the local neighborhood had been closed. What do you think of all the churches closing in your hometown? He said, well, it didn't bother our family that much because we always used to frequent KFC and Papa's. Thank you very much. Uh, 
Well, you know, again, I could rebut. We don't have time for it, but I've related to you my two negative Walter Payton stories, one up close and personal and one during the Super Bowl. But you know what? We're not going to get into that right now. At any rate, the book will be out there. People will be talking about that. Big Dog, uh, tremendous show. Baseball, we thought, would be kind of put to the backside, but not after yesterday. Again, people calling it one of the great finishes to regular season baseball of all time but uh, we do got to turn to a little football tomorrow and preview some of the games get your beat the smallest football picks out, out there all right dog coach uh, i will have nothing but the big games as picks as I usual expect you to do the entire show tomorrow in the three-point stance uh, or four maybe two yeah and, and if you do it this time uh, face forward okay yes sir <laughs> all right dog have a great day Later, guys. All right, we'll do it at 10 o'clock tomorrow all over again. Producer extraordinaire David Olson, phenomenal job as per always. Join us for a football Friday today. Two guys and a mic signing off. We'll see you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.